Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Dan Cross about the art of systemizing. Dan dove headfirst into the world of entrepreneurship following an early retirement from rugby league. His core business is helping other businesses scale their business to effectively remove themselves from the day-to-day of business. Part of what he does is called Hippo. So I'm keen to find out about that. Hello, Dan, and welcome. Hey, Clive. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolute pleasure. I'm very much into systemizing. I'm very much into understanding what other people do in their business and how they help other businesses do their business. But what on earth is hippo? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You need a name sometimes. It leads to a secondary question. So maybe that's the lesson in that in itself. You know, everybody wants to know what is hippo? So hippo is an acronym that we use to describe our business, which stands for Happiness Influences and profit-producing opportunities. And for us, they're the two core activities that an entrepreneur should be focused on. You know, do it because you can't not do it. You love it. You know, it really sparks joy in your day-to-day activities. Or do it because it moves the needle in your business. You know, it's a profit-producing opportunity. And, you know, the reality is that's why we get into business is to, you know, words like financial freedom or choice, flexibility, control come to mind. But the truth is, Clive, and I'm sure you know this with your experience, that most business owners never experience their hippo. They never experience all those things that they got into business for. And quite often we find that most business owners aren't really owners at all. You know, they're operators of a business. And, you know, whilst their name is on the door, they're probably more of a glorified administrator of that business than anything else. So we want to help people live hippo. Uh, And, you know, it's a real movement that we're passionate about. And uh, I can certainly relate because I've been both a business operator and, and now a business owner. And so we want to help more people experience hippo. Oh, well done. And uh, you're right. I think most people don't manage to achieve the things that they go into business for. But there's another acronym that I think you have a part in. And I think we want to explore that first. And that's family. I understand you have a family. Yeah, I do, mate. And you're right. It's a good place to start. You know, before anything else, I'm I'm a dad and I'm a dad and I'm a partner and I'm, you know, I'm a human, I'm a man. And all three of those things come, you know, well before me being a, a business owner or a business consultant that helps other people as well. So yeah, I've got three little kids um, that, that keep me very busy. Little girl, Nala, Fox, and, and another little girl, Acre. And they're all under seven. So I'm sure you can imagine, <laughs> hearing more about your family, I'm sure you can imagine what my life looks like at home. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just saying this right. I think about seven years, maybe, I think, since I've had a full sleep. So, But, hey, wouldn't have it any other way, mate. It's uh, it'd certainly been my greatest joy. Absolutely. And where have we found you geographically? Yeah, so I'm in Brisbane. You know, I know our listeners can't see this, but I know that you thought I was in New York with the photo I have behind me. But I'm, I'm certainly not. I'm, uh, I'm based in Brisbane. I'm, uh, we have a little property out just the west uh, west north side of Brisbane, uh, yeah, on a, on a few acres there where we raised the kids. So, yeah, the lucky state in Australia, I think people call it. We've had the fewest lockdowns maybe out of everybody in this uh, this interesting time that we're in. Yes, indeed. As we're talking, I'm in Victoria and I think we're in our lockdown seven or something like that. Who's counting anyway? <laughs> yeah, well, and if you are counting, seven's a good number. So maybe this is the, uh, the lucky last for you. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it is. Yeah, many of us are now double vaxxed, so 
At least yeah. we'll be able to go out. But <laughs> <laughs> it's feeling like that, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is. But although you're in Brisbane now, you wandered about a bit. I think you started out in Victoria, didn't you? I am a Victorian, which is good because it makes me neutral for state of origin, which is a big event, obviously, that we have here in Australia. And it means that I can choose whoever's winning, being Victoria. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in a small town, Wodonga, just on the border there of Victoria, New South Wales. You know, I suppose an interesting thing about me is I've, you know, I lived in 26 houses before I'd graduated school. So moving uh, was a common trait in my life, you know, moved cities, you know, moved houses a lot. Like most people, either running away from something or towards something, something better was always the goal. And spent a lot of my time up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. I uh, did a lot of my schooling there. And then I uh, spent some time in Sydney, uh, where I moved uh, as a 17-year-old to, to pursue, I suppose, what was my first uh, real goal, which was to play rugby league professionally and, and, and had a you know red-hot crack at that and, and got some great experiences and great memories. And that was my first you know profession. And, uh, and then, yeah, came back here to Brisbane, mate, where uh, I decided that uh, phase two would start, which ended up being business. And getting into business is very exciting for most people. How long did it take you for the excitement to turn to fright? <laughs> yeah, that's it's a good question. And I think I was lucky. I had a mentor of mine actually tell me I was trying to delay the start of my first business. You know, I was maybe different or maybe similar to, to your listeners, but uh, I was 21 years old. I started my first company and it was the advice of somebody else who had basically said anybody can run a business. Uh, you can be your own boss as long as you find a business operating system and structure, which is a good acronym to remember. You know, to be a boss, you, you need to have a business operating system and structure. And so I got my hands on one of those and I decided that I would uh, service the sales and marketing industry by building a recruitment and training company for sales teams. But I was terrified of the launch date. And I remember I kept pushing back this launch date, you know, for, for getting started with trade. And, you know, I had all these demons in my mind, you know, who am I? I'm just a kid. And, you know, what are my chances of succeeding here? And I'd read all of the stats, you know, about how many businesses failed, et cetera. And, and this person said to me, you know, you'll only ever be 80% ready. And if, you've, and if you wait until you're 100% ready, you've waited too long and you've probably missed your opportunity. So be 80% ready and the other 20% is throwing caution to the wind. And that's something that as an entrepreneur, you need to learn how to do. So yeah, there I was, mate, 21 years old, 2012, I launched my first business. You know, I actually did surprisingly well. My, my first year in business went really well and I made great money and, and I grew that business. And it was only until I, start, I tried to do two things that I realized that I sucked as a business owner. And that is that I went on a holiday and when I returned from that holiday, I, I barely had a business. I went away for three weeks and that's all it took for my business to, uh, to I think I had 20, maybe 22 staff. And I thought, you know, I've really made it here. And I went to Spain and I remember distinctly getting the phone call from my administrator at the time saying, you know, it, it might be time to come home. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've worked so hard. You know, I built this great company. I'm, you know, I'm going to enjoy the fruits of my labor. And she called me a week later and she goes, no, seriously, like you got to come back. And anyway, I got on a plane and, you know, 20 hours, whatever it is later, and I arrive and, and we had five staff. The business had completely fallen. And you know what it's like, Clive. I know you've got a background in, in sales as well. If it's not run effectively, it can be a high churn business model, business, you know, in terms of staffing. And I came back to five staff and, and had to build it again. And so that was my first lesson. And, and I realized that the business was heavily reliant on myself. And then the second lesson came when I tried to expand my company, you know, within my industry, quite famously opened up four additional offices and shut down all four of those offices, you know, probably lost close to a, 
maybe half a million dollars in those expansion attempts. And once again, came to the realization that I, I probably didn't so much have a business as I did a high paying job because wherever I was worked and wherever I wasn't, you know, failed. And so, yeah, I had to come to the, you know, pretty tough realization. So the positive about that story, Clive, is in the two years prevailing that I, I then went and expanded that company to a couple of hundred staff around eight different cities and, and two countries. And that business did very well. And then, you know, if you're happy for me to keep diving into it, I suppose the oh, continuation absolutely. of that story. We, we want to know all your story then. Yeah, you want to, yeah, I'll give you all my, all the dirt. Yeah, but t- listen, 2017 and 2018 were, were an incredibly successful year for me in terms of business financially and, and, and I suppose accolades as well. And I think that unfortunately, we probably hang our hat on those things early in our career. You know, we want the admiration of, of others and, and I certainly did and I certainly pursued those things. And I'd had my best year in business and it wasn't until there was a big award ceremony where I was being recognized for the achievements that I'd made that I uh, took to the stage, looked out over the audience to pick up the entrepreneur of the year, the best company of the year, fastest growing business of the year, all of these things and realized that the table that was reserved for my family was empty and that my wife and kids had decided not to come. And, you know, and there was a lot of writing on the wall that that may have happened that night. But I think when I was standing on the stage in front of, you know, a lot of people, I had that real deep realization that I had had achievement without fulfillment and that there was a deep cost to my success. And, you know, it wasn't a cost I was willing to bear. And I, uh, I actually broke down Clive on, on that stage. I actually, uh, I was, you know, went to water in front of, you know, I don't know, maybe 600 people. It's a great video that if you'd like me to send you, me crying on stage. <laughs> and uh, It's a very important point you make, Dan, that understanding what it is that you want to achieve is a really important thing and understanding it fully. So, okay, mm. we, we'd like to have a business that's making us a lot of money. Woohoo, isn't that exciting? Yeah. What about a life? Yeah, you're bang on, Clive, and it's, it's funny. I, I often make the notion to people that, what happened that night was I looked out at a lot of people who thought that they wanted to be me, but the reality was that the people that I loved the most didn't want to be with me. And I think that that was quite hard hitting for me. And yeah, as I said, I had achievement without fulfillment. I call it failure via success. You know, I'd succeeded in the eyes of everybody else extrinsically. I had beautiful home and I had acquired things and, and, and whatnot. But in reality, I was probably failing in some more important areas of my life and not just family, you know, probably my own health and my own happiness and, and whatnot. And so I actually took off, you know, I left the stage that night and I sat down over the next week and considered how I was going to sell all my businesses and, and walk away. And, you know, I was only 28 years old at this time and I've been in business for, you know, let's call it seven or eight years. And I, for the first time in my life, had considered getting a job. And I've never had a job before. I've, I've never been employed by anybody else outside of playing footy. And so this idea that at 28, I was going to walk away from everything that I knew, thinking that nine to five was the answer, like it was just mind blowing. It probably gives you a good look as to, as to where I was at. And mate, I was very fortunate. I actually, I, I actually engaged in a, a friend of mine for some advice and, and some consultation. And, and we sat down and she asked me a great question, which is, what would it look like for you to stay? for you to continue to run your company, what would it look like? And I had the answer straight away. And I said to her, it would look like me only doing these seven things. And I had seven core activities that I love doing or that when I did them, I could defend them really well, that they were great activities in my business. You know, it was a real real asymmetry. You know, when I did it, one minute of me doing that activity led to 10 minutes of, let's call it freedom or leverage or growth. And and, and so I really enjoyed doing those tasks. And so I, I had these seven things. And I said, you know, if that was all I had to do, I could be in business forever. What happened was I drew a circle in front of me and I wrote those seven things inside that circle. And I drew a third circle outside of that, sorry, a second circle outside of that circle. 
And I said, there's some other things that live just outside of that bullseye that call it. And they're things that I'm a little bit indifferent towards. You know, I'm dispassionate about them. I don't hate them. I don't want to do them every day, but I could do them from time to time if my business needed me to do, you know, to do that. So I could step in and out quite transient, you know, in the way that I did those activities. I said, but then there's a third circle. And the third circle is the reason why I need to shut everything down and I need to get out of business. And I drew the third circle and I said, these are the negative parts of me running a company. When I do it, I despise my own company. Uh, I feel like a, a glorified administrator. They're repetitive. They're mundane. They're at the real movement part of the business. You know, there's no thinking. There's no intellectual, you know, kind of development for me. You know, I was writing these things down inside this circle thinking, why am I doing this? You know, eight years in the business and I'm still doing some really basic, you know, kind of mechanics of the company. And I sat back and I had this, imagine a bullseye with three rings and I stared at this circle and I said to this lady, Danielle, I said, I think I might've just solved my own problem. And she said, what's that? And I said, I'm going to give myself 12 months to remove, automate, sorry, remove, outsource, automate or delegate that whole outside ring. And what we call that today is putting a business on the right road, remove, outsource, automate and delegate. And I was horrible at all four of those things as a 28-year-old because I'm not sure if you've heard this term before, Clive, but I suffered from a thing called superhero syndrome, which is that I had deep trust issues of anybody else doing anything in my business. So as much I as I did... I can't believe a 28-year-old yeah. male would have issues <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Ego just at the front of everything. Yeah, I didn't want to do it, but I didn't want anyone else to do it because I was terrified it would be done wrong or that my identity was caught up in it and that it would come back to be a poor reflection on me. And so, yeah, I really struggled with that. But then it was, you know, necessity, the mother of all invention, right? And so me knowing that I'd been absent in my home, the reality of, you know, Jesus, my family going to stay together through this. I, you know, I, I basically had no other option. And so I spent 12 months really wanting to become an expert at auditing my own business and auditing my own time and working out, you know, what could we remove? What could we outsource? How could I integrate technology into my business and start to get involved in automation? You know, and at a basic level, things like having a CRM, you know, I didn't have any of those things as a business owner. And then how could I become great at delegating? And I think the key to delegating is not just delegating tasks, but delegating decisions. And, you know, it's funny because when we train people today, we talk about there's a model that we move through, which is it starts with direction, moves on to suggestion, then it moves into delegation and eventually empowerment. And empowerment is that the person doesn't just do the thing, but they make the decisions around the thing. And that's when you're really in a, in a great leveraged place of business. And um, that's what I call being an owner, you know, and I think if you're not doing those things, yeah, the reality is you're, you're probably doing low-level activities in your business. And you're Indeed, if you've got people around you who are capable of making decisions to grow the business, they're fulfilling their dreams, you're fulfilling your dream. Yes. And as a business owner, you get to what are those two things that we go into business for? Isn't it time and choice? <laughs> yeah. Well, what that's why those I... two things that we give away. <laughs> yeah, correct. And we tend to what we tend to do is we tend to uh, hoard what is abundant and spend what is scarce. You know, we hoard the money and we spend all of our time. You know, as if it's yep. you know. And listen, I think we all eventually do discover that. Unfortunately. Sometimes it's too late for people. They've shut their business. They're, you know, they're out of business. They're completely burnt out and overwhelmed and burnt on the idea of being in business, or they've failed. And so, you know, I, listen, I certainly feel like I'm in a, quite a blessed situation. You know, I'm 31, and I think I, I maybe was fortunate enough to learn those lessons quite early in my in my business career. And then on the back of I suppose me solving my own problem, hippo was born. So that bullseye that I spoke about, that was my hippo. You know, that was me. Those seven things I, I referenced was 
me doing something because I love to do it or because it moved the needle in my business. And yeah, and you were clever enough to recognize these things early. As you mentioned, uh, a lot of people go into business and do very, very well at yep. doing rather than doing what the business is for. Yeah. But yeah. they do very well at the doing and the business doesn't do very well and they fall by the wayside. Some people put their hand up and say, somebody please help. Mm. How do you find getting other people to accept what you're offering? How do you go about doing that? It's a big challenge, first of all, to lead in with that. And I think uh, the people who are listening will understand that challenge, as I said earlier, whether that be that, you know, we really wrap our identity up in our business. And I think a key thing to help people understand is that you are not your business. You may be the brand of the business or the face of the business, but you are certainly not the business. A business should exist separate to you. And I imagine a business to be like a car. You know, if I wanted to, Clive, I should be able to give you my keys and you can drive the car just as well as I can. And if you can't, well, then we don't have a business. You know, we have a job. Mm. Um, I should be able to step in and out of that at any other point and, and other people should step in. How I help people is I ask a very simple uh, series of questions, Clive. The first one I ask people is what is the primary benefit of you continuing to do the activities that you are right now? And the answers that a person will often give me is control. I know it's going to be done right. I'll only have to do it once. You know, it's, it's easier. Well, you've heard these before, didn't you? Yeah. you look in the mirror and ask those questions? Well, yeah, correct. <laughs> but then the second question, which is probably more powerful, is what is the secondary consequence of you continuing to do those things? And, and that's often when we get to a deeper place where people say things like, well, I'm not going to develop the talent around me, which means I'll probably leave. So now I have churn in my staff. Uh, maybe a secondary consequence is you continue to miss your kids' sporting events or you keep breaking promises or that you end up having some failures in the home or you end up unhealthy and, and burnt out. So there's always a primary benefit and people get stuck in the primary benefit. But if you can start to explore what the secondary consequences are and really get deep on those, now it's just a matter of working out what's more important to you, keeping the primary benefit or avoiding the secondary consequence. And you know, 99% of people want to avoid the secondary consequence because it becomes very obvious that the consequence is greater than the benefit. You know, they're two powerful questions that, that can help people break out of that superhero syndrome I spoke about. Dan, what do you think it is that causes so many people to not be brave enough to have a conversation with someone such as yourself about what's happening in their business? Why do we prefer, well, we don't prefer it, but it appears that we prefer to disappear into the ethers rather than stand up and, and say, for goodness sake, somebody give me a hand. Yeah, that's a really good thing to talk about, Clive. We have a saying that says isolation is death in business. You know, if you isolate yourself, you know, you're setting yourself up to die in business. And I think the reality is that, you know, collaboration is the only way that the, the kind of free market works. It's not competition, it's collaboration. And anyone who's successful, you'll hear them constantly reference the mentorship that they received from somebody else. So we inherently have a desire to send the elevator back down and help the next people. The problem is no one asks. <laughs> you know, So most people that I know, it, I, they jump at opportunities to support and help other people and, and to pass on you know, the stories from their own lessons and, and help the next generation. I'd say it's ego more than anything. And, you know, a good acronym for ego is the enemy of goals and opportunities. When your ego wins, you tend to lose. If you can drop your ego, let that fall away, you probably find that the best version of yourself comes out to play. So sounds like I'm writing a poem as I say that. So, um, Essentially, it's, it's about people having 
conversations, isn't it? It's it is, and you know, and and you know, I suppose this is a good point to congratulate yourself, Clive. I, I read a stat the other day. I think it's eighty six percent of podcasts don't make it to the twentieth episode, and I was quickly counting some of yours, and I ran out of numbers. You've done, I think, I, I got up to seventy, and I was like, wow, this guy's really on it, right? And it takes people like yourself to open up the conversation to get people talking, and I think it's one of those things, networking, let's call it. It's one of those things that. Eventually, once you do it, you catch yourself going, geez, I wish I'd have done that earlier. I wish I had I just reached out and asked for some help. You know, I didn't realize how kind and giving and sharing that the person would be. So just do it. But like, listen, most things in business, Clive, start with courage, not with competence. You know, and I think that people are waiting until they feel more competent to do most things. And you know, listen, the business owners that I admire often lacked competence, but were very heavy in, in courage and in endurance. And I think that endurance is a really important thing in, in business, you know. Find ways through challenges, not ways out of challenges. You know, I think you've got to learn how to find ways through. So be brave. I'd tell everyone to be brave, you know. Be brave. And I couldn't agree with you more. It, it's about being brave. It's amazing when we have a go, there seems to be this wonderful hand of whatever it is yeah. just picks us up and carries us on. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Call it whatever you will. It, yeah, some, someone, something definitely comes to help once you uh, you step out. Yes, and it appears to me that the more we reach out to other people, the stronger that hand gets. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Interesting things, how it all works. And a lot of people, of course, out there in business land are saying, well, I'm very courageous, but I'm not going to reach out. <laughs> what do you say to those folks? Dan? I'd say prove it. Pro- show me, prove your courage. You know, show it to me. You know, who are you? Are it's funny. I, you know, maybe actually a tactic to, to share with people, Clive. I, I'll give everybody my five Sunday questions. I ask myself five questions every Sunday, and that becomes the format for my planning. And they're very basic. The first question is, what will I do intentionally to develop myself this week? And the answer to that question often is, pick up the phone and call somebody. You know, and have a conversation. Um, but what will I do intentionally to develop myself this week? The second question I ask is, what will I do intentionally to develop my team this week? You know, so it's about contribution, giving, helping, lending a hand to, to the people that work around me. Third question is, what will I do intentionally to have a bigger business this week? Because the heartbeat of all business is sales, it's marketing, it's putting yourself out there in front of people. The myth that you can build something and they will come kills a lot of businesses. You have to take your business to the market. You've got to take it to people. So I think that's an important lesson. So what will I do to have a bigger business? Fourth question is what will I do intentionally to have a better business? Because I don't want to be, for example, bigger but non-compliant or bigger but not sustainable or bigger but not managing you know, things like cash flow, et cetera, and whatnot. So I need to be a better business, not just a bigger business. And then my last question I ask is what will I do intentionally to have a better relationship with a certain person this week? And every week I put a name down on, in my planner and I go in pursuit of increasing my relationship with that person. So I think those five, you know, uh, you know, those people who are maybe lacking in the confidence to reach out, the answers to all of my five questions effect- effectively could be answered in <laughs> having more conversations, reaching out, focus on collaboration, building your audience and your network and, and you know, all those things that you're alluding to. So maybe that'll happen. Yeah, that works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that helps. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people, that, especially people who work with me and discover certain things about how to run their business, they'll say to me, but five, that can't work. It's too simple. What's the answer <laughs> to that, Dan? Well, business is simple, Clive. It's people who are not. And, you know, I think that's a good thing to remember. Business is simple. People are not. Listen, my biggest enemy in business has always been myself. It still is today. It was 10 years ago and it probably will be in 10 years, you know, from now. So getting out of our own way 
is is probably the big challenge for all of us. What we do and and the, the way the market operates and, and the, the functions of a business, you know, you know, pretty basic for me. It's build it, test it, learn from it, and then either double down on it or iterate it. You know, build the product, test it on the actual market, not on your friends or family, because that's a quick way to get some bias. Take it to a market, get some feedback, and learn from the market. And you'll learn very quickly whether you should double down and pursue that thing or you need to iterate a little bit and, and then repeat that process. And, and really, any business is exactly that process. That's how you build something, right? So it's not that hard, you know, and, and maybe we, we think it needs to be hard because the rewards can be so high. I often tell business owners, I'm a rugby league man, as, as we spoke about. And um, I often tell people that you need, if you want to do well in business, you need to be a front rower. You know, don't think so much. Catch the ball and run hard and tackle hard, right? Um, <laughs> But we want to overcomplicate it. And I'm not sure who this quote is, but there's a great quote that says complexity is the enemy of execution. And so true sophistication yep. lives in simplicity. So we do that though, don't we, Clive? We want to make it as oh, we do. Absolutely we do. And what I've discovered through the years is that finding the simple way to do things is often very complicated. It's very hard for people to move out of this complex world we're supposed to be living in yep. and find the simple part but once you find the simple part all the doors seem to open yeah so it works really really well and i hope you haven't got too many front rowers close to you but <laughs> it was a good analogy <laughs> yeah to maybe to your point there clive it's um i find that most of success has come from subtraction for me not addition mm -hmm. and, and that was maybe a big change i made in maybe 2017-18 is I thought I had to keep adding, do more, do more, do more, have more. Like I, I found that one, my happiest self, my healthier self, but also my my wealthier self, let's call it that, has come from remove, like subtract as many things as I possibly can, do less, do it better. You know, we always say do less, make more, hire a virtual assistant. That's the, kind of the catchphrase there of, of Hippo. People are all trying to become a martyr to their to-do list, you know, and I think we've lived through an era, uh, maybe the last 10 or 15 years that, you know, 80-hour weeks were a badge of honor, you know, just outwork the competition, grit, determination, you know, just, you know, kind of work yourself to death. I think we're coming out the other side of that now. I think as people embrace technology and, and they embrace a bunch of other things, they're learning about asymmetries that you can get unequal output from, you know, from small inputs. You can get some crazy asymmetrical returns if you know how to leverage, you know how to focus your time on the right things. So... Um, I think we should measure the success of a business owner based on how little they do, not how much they do. All about working on, not in. C yeah. So, and we call that: Are you leverage or are you legwork? You know, which which one are you? Are you leverage or legwork? And you know, it's funny. I, I've got a two year old. I've got two year old, four year old, and seven year old. And my two year old is very smart. She's got two legs and she knows how to walk, but she's great at getting carried. And for me, I go, "Gee, she's smart. She's always leveraged. We're always carrying her around." And, and she's probably the smartest of the bunch, right? Uh, now she could walk. She could walk. She knows how to walk, and her legs walk perfect. They they work perfectly fine. But she's figured out a better way. You know, she's figured out a leveraged way that she can be carried around. And I think business owners need to start defining their success like that. You know, how much leverage have you got in your business? Yes, and let's start looking at the kids. They're all clever until we get to them. Oh, I, I could not agree more. I think we need to learn far more from them than what we teach them. Yeah, I think they start perfect and then we stuff it up. So <laughs> <laughs> We do, yes. Who can we blame for that? No, we don't want to blame anybody. We just do it. Generation. I can talk with you for the rest of the day, but the clock is against us. Sure. 
Before I let you go, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? I think when I found out that there's no amount of professional success that will compensate for failures in the home, you know, is, uh, I don't know, Stephen Covey re-quoted that. I can't remember who the original was, but there's no amount of professional success that, that can compensate for failures in the home. And you alluded to it earlier, Clive, you know, really what's important is that you define success for yourself before you get into business. It's very easy for the disease of more to take over. And as I mentioned, you know, Hippo helps people systemize so they can outsource and scale. And we do that by integrating virtual assistants in businesses because I really believe that you should be trying to build the business that you want, not accepting the one that you have. And most people are in that phase of this is just how it is. And so I continue down this road, not realizing what the consequences are. And all of a sudden, they uh, you work out that the consequences are greater than the benefits. And, and so I, I, I believe that you really need to be intentional about how you build your business. Good way of putting it. Excellent. What's the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today, Dan? I'd love the business, the listeners, and in particular the business owners, to go away and ask their, themselves if their business makes dollars. And dollars is an audit principle that we use here, which is that you're, you should be delegating or outsourcing, leverage, not legwork, and achieve revenue through systems, not skills. And if you spell that out, D-O-L-L-A-R-S, does your business make dollars? And if it's not making dollars, then it probably doesn't make sense which means you need to change the structure of the business. And of course, if they need help uh, to do that, you know, we're certainly available to be able to support the business owner on that journey. And that leads us to the most important question. How can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Yeah, sure. I mean, to find me personally, if you just Google Dan uh, Cross, I'm sure you'll be able to find some links in touch with Hippo and to get some support for yourself or your business. I would go to hippogroup.com.au and get in touch and uh, yeah I'd love to continue the conversation with people and of course round Dan up for those questions because rather than go back and write them down you can do that and listen to our whole story again but round him up get those questions and figure out your own answers so that you might grow your own business well not so much your business grow your life yeah love it love it great Clive Dan wonderful having you here thank you no no problem thank you very much for having me absolute pleasure great to, uh, to get to know yourself as well Clive Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.